Welcome to Tales from the Dance Floor, a podcast exploring the lives and times of people from all walks of life who followed their passions and made careers out of DJing, producing, parties, dance culture, and the music industry. I'm Phil Morse from Digital DJ Tips. Let's get started. I'd like to welcome to the podcast my friend Ben Stowe. And Ben, you're actually the penultimate podcast of the series and the final guest because I'm being interviewed by my team for the final one. How about that? So you're the last guest. How does that make you feel? <laughs> well, I, I, I'm honored that uh, anytime you get a word like penultimate associated with your name, I guess that's a good thing. So, Oh, well, probably. Probably. Anyway, Ben, let me introduce you. You are, um, and I mean this admirably, the geekiest person I've probably ever met. You have made a really uh admired name for yourself in the av industry in and in, in the dj world especially for being someone who just gets technology if there's a question to do with your speakers or your lights or your cables or your setup that you can't get to the bottom of someone will say have you asked ben uh, now that says two things about you. One, you're very knowledgeable, but two, you're very generous and you spend an awful lot of time educating people, which is when I met you for the first time, wandering into your your conference, uh, your conference events where you are covering something which on the face of it sounds extremely boring, like pairing speakers and amplifiers or something. And then there you are in front of an absolutely packed hall of people hanging on your every word as you explain, insert geeky thing here. So Ben, you're quite a phenomenon, really, and uh, it's good. To, it's good to have you here, and it's good to talk tech for forty-five minutes with someone. So, welcome. Well, thanks, Phil. I appreciate that a lot. I do. <laughs> so, I want. I want to ask you. I mean, you people say, um, "Oh, the music industry is so glamorous," uh, and tell people where you've been in the last couple of weeks. Well, let me think here uh, for a quick second. I was. Um... I know I just came back from uh, from Las Vegas. Uh, I had a, a very glamorous red eye flight back. Uh, those are always glamorous. Uh, let's see. Right before that, I was in uh, I was in Phoenix, and I had flown to Phoenix from Dallas. Uh, and right before Dallas, I was in uh, Philadelphia. I think uh, today I go to Sioux Falls, uh, and then I fly to Raleigh, North Carolina next week. So. It's uh, sort of getting on and off uh, airplanes like the city bus, and uh, I don't know that there's a lot of glamour to it, but uh, <laughs> I do I do have a lot of joy uh, for for what I do. How many times have you visited Vegas, Ben? Uh, this would this would realistically be probably close to two hundred, uh, which is quite incredible. I'm sure you know you feel like your job is pretty normal to most people. That's not normal, Ben. That is a that is a glamorous job, whether or not it feels like it to you after, what, 25 years doing it. It's uh, it's something that people would think, wow. So listen, we want to talk about your company. I want to talk about your love of education because it really does stand out, and the generosity there. But first, I want to talk about, and also I would like to ask you the things DJs always get wrong that you see. So people hang on for that. If you If you want to make sure you're not making some really obvious errors, I'll talk to Ben about that in a bit. But first, how do you get to be someone who does what you do, who helps people set up and install the most amazing audiovisual setups for concerts and festivals, who tours with bands, who works with the biggest DJs in the world, who has his own company uh, supplying equipment to do this kind of thing and supplying technicians to set it up and so on? I mean, how do you get into that? How, what's the story? Well, that's, that's quite a question. Uh, I, you know, I think to, to 
my story might be different. I mean, everybody's story is going to be unique. I think uh, the first first part of that question was, you know, how do you get to be a person who helps people? And I think the the you know the obvious answer to that is just to be willing to to do it. Uh, of course, you have to have the uh, you know the the skill set, but I think there. Um, that, that's probably a, another topic when we get into, you know, mm. just being better people, I think, uh, you know, but, uh, but to answer the technical question, I, you know, it's interesting, you know, when you look at the roadmap and you look at where it's led and, and, uh, you know, you're right. Those have been some pretty awesome experiences. Uh, and, and sometimes I don't really stop and think about it. You know, I don't really look back and, and think of the things I'm, I, that I've, I've done. Um, but, Someday I will, and you're right. I probably will think, "Wow, that was pretty cool." Uh, the the beginning really couldn't have been much more uh, different. I think you know uh, the opposite of of glamour and, and fame, and and certainly um, I didn't have much of a plan. That's a pretty pretty fair thing to say. Uh, I grew up in a very small town in in rural America, uh, and. Uh, my, when I was just a very young kid, my mom was very sick. She was diagnosed with lupus, uh, and uh, so she was hospitalized. Uh, as that's a that's a pretty rough uh, illness. And my dad uh, worked about thirty miles away from where we lived, uh, and then he picked up a couple of side jobs too to sort of help with the medical bills. Uh, and so basically, he he really wasn't around. You know, I, I mean, I certainly admire uh, the the way he worked himself so hard to take care of us, but. But, you know, the end result was, of course, there was no parents at home. And so uh, there was an older couple uh, that had kind of taken my parents under their wing when we moved to this town. And we called them grandma and grandpa. And, and they weren't biologically related, but, you know, uh, uh, really, really nice when you can add to your family like that, I guess. I certainly, mm. certainly loved them as much as anybody could love any, any grandparents. And uh, grandpa, as we called him, he ran a TV repair shop out of his house. Uh, and, and so basically at the ripe old age of three, uh, I was, uh, hanging out with him, uh, and he was trying to deal with my, uh, high energy nature. So he would find things to keep me busy, you know, hand me a pair of side cutters or something and here, go sort these components by color, you know, and don't touch that. That'll kill you, but you can touch this or whatever, you know, (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, you know, and so like by the age of five, I had learned to solder, uh, and, and, you know, we used to go out on service calls. I I think I learned a lot about how to treat people, uh, fairly and, 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 you know, how to treat a customer, uh, right. Uh, you know, because we would go out and, and have to fix TVs. These were these, you know, giant wooden console sets that you just couldn't bring into the shop. You know, she'd go to some little old lady's house and work on her TV so she could get the soap opera back in time, you know. Uh, anyway, uh, so fast forward, you know, a lot of years and I was in high school and we had an electronics program at our high school and uh, I, I started taking electronics classes uh, and, and frankly, not because I wanted a career in electronics or, or had any real aspirations. It was uh, really more a product of laziness, I think, because I knew I could just get an A without doing anything in this class. You know, I'd already had 10 years of electronics growing up. You know? <laughs> so, uh, but as it turned out, the teacher there was just a wonderful human being, uh, someone who absolutely became another very uh, powerful uh, mentor in my life, uh, unfortunately passed away shortly after I graduated uh, from a brain tumor, but made a large impact in my life just in the three years that I knew him. And, uh, and so I just kind of stayed on the electronics path, uh, you know, started out, you know, making lights out of coffee cans, basically. Uh, and the reason for that is is sort of, you know, life is just a series of, of kind of accidents, I guess, happy ones in this case. But I 
I, I moved out of my parents' house while I was still in high school. And uh, that was maybe not the smartest thing I had ever done uh, because I hadn't really thought this through uh, and I didn't have anywhere else to live. So, <laughs> you know, that was the, the other part of that equation, I guess I hadn't thought about was that I needed somewhere to live if I left there. And anyway, the long and the short of it is I ended up homeless. Uh, and so electronics became kind of this uh, parachute for me where I would start building things and selling them strobe lights and control circuits and that sort of thing. Uh, and then, you know, you, I made a, made a, a lighting control system for a band and, you know, different things like that. And it just sort of continued to grow, uh, to where, you know, uh, we were providing equipment, you know, now of course for, you know, Grammy winners. So, uh, it didn't happen overnight. Right. You know, but. So that's a, it's quite a powerful story. Uh, starting from the very bottom, literally, with no roof over your head, and using electronics as a as a way to survive. And it's therefore all you've ever done, right? That was your first job, and it's still your job. Yeah, this you know, I mean, I, I guess officially I went into business at seventeen, so uh, it is mm. quite literally the only thing I've done, and. Uh, uh, and you know what? I, I have I have uh, absolutely no regrets about that. I, I love this industry, and I love what it's uh, done for me, and I love the uh, the people that I've been able to help. Uh, I think what a what an incredible stroke of good fortune that uh, you know I, I've just sort of accidentally fell into something that has been such a good fit for me. Uh, you know, and and early on, I'll tell you, you know, starvation is an incredible motivator. So, you know. Uh, I, can, say, I, why, can, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. People, you know, people say, uh, you know, why do, why do you work so hard? And, and I said, you know, the, I think the first time you, uh, the first time you miss a meal, uh, you, you try to make it your last, you know? So. Yeah. I mean, it is powerful, but nowadays your company NLFX professional is, as you say, an extremely influential concern. And you've worked with a lot of the greats. Tell us a few of the big DJs you've worked with. Well, you know, here's one of the fun things. I, I, I honestly don't remember a lot of the names and I'm sure people, <laughs> I'm sure people on your, uh, you know, listening to this podcast are just, uh, you know, smacking their heads, uh, you know, and it, it's funny cause people will put me on the spot and they'll say, you know, well, tell, tell us some of the artists you've toured with or this or that, uh, you know, uh, and, and I, I always sputter for an answer. I just, you know, part of that is because I don't, I'm not really thinking about it in that context of, oh, I'm working with so-and-so. It just, I really do just kind of take the job one job at a time. Uh, but I, you know, if I stop and think about it, uh, you know, we've provided uh, equipment and support for, yeah, some pretty extraordinary names. Certainly people I used to listen to, uh, and I, I still do listen to, I guess, but uh, I, I guess I'm terrible at the name drop thing. I'm sorry. <laughs> You are, aren't you? You're being modest about this, but, uh, but events, give us a couple of events. You talk about Grammy winners and stuff, you know, drop some, uh, some names of maybe, maybe venues and so on to give people a sense of the kind of thing you do. Well, all right, I'll give it a shot. Um, so I think you have listeners, uh, worldwide. Uh, we do. And of course in America, you know, we call, uh, we call this game football, uh, even though you largely just use your hands, uh, you know, but, uh, <laughs> Uh, it's a just a little, a little, uh, nod to our European friends. I think you're, uh, you're probably more right on calling it football, but we call it soccer anyway. And yeah, yeah. our, our version of football in the U S is kind of a big deal here. Uh, and, uh, I've done seven, uh, college football national championships, uh, handled the, uh, uh, RF support, the radio frequency support for that. Uh, 
And that's, uh, you know, there's no pressure when you think that, you know, how many millions of people are, are watching this uh, game on whatever, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, I had the really good fortune of working with some wonderful artists, uh, you know, not just talented, but some are, are genuinely good people. Made some made some awesome friendships there. Uh, struggled, again, to think about, you know, to, to pull down big names and venues and that sort of thing, because I think they're all important, you know? Uh, one of the things that I've done, uh, is I've kind of avoided some of the biggest ones, uh, partly because of the long commitments. And so I enjoy working with lots of others. So I do, I do lots of, uh, you know, short runs or one-offs or fly dates, things like that. Uh, and it, it sort of, uh, appeals to my attention deficit nature, I guess. Uh, you know, the idea of, of working with somebody exclusively for, you know, months and months or years and years just doesn't really, this doesn't really appeal to me. I like mm, interesting, interesting. And of course, you're doing other things apart from actually working with clients. You're you're educating, and maybe this is part of it, right? You like to have challenges and something different every week, if not every day, and it keeps you fresh. Yeah. Is that is that fair? I think that's right on the money. You know, I have some really good friends that are front of house engineers for specific acts or tour managers for specific acts, and that's who that's all they've worked for for you know a decade or or you know whatever. And, and that's great, but you know, I, I have a bit of tour experience and, uh, I can tell you waking up and, and setting up the same show and running the same show day after day after day for weeks on end. Uh, you know, I found out pretty quickly that just wasn't what I wanted to do. I, I love the variety. I love having the, the ability to go and work with different people in different genres. And as you say, educate and support. And so, uh, you know, I am attention deficit and I think that maybe is part of it, but I also enjoy the variety. I really do. Tell us about your company then. You said you started off literally keeping food in your in your in your stomach, and uh, tell us how it grew. Well, I I, I think uh, the word I would apply to that is organically. Uh, you know, we we just did uh, did right by people, and I you know it's funny. I was just having a conversation with a good friend of mine last night, uh, another industry uh, influencer, and and uh, you know I was saying that everything I, I really needed to know I learned in kindergarten. I think. Uh, about, you know, it sounds cliche, but it's amazing how powerful it is just to treat people the way you want to be treated. And if you don't have anything nice to say, keep your mouth shut, you know? Uh, so I think we've applied a lot of those ethics to the way we, way we do business. And that set of ethos has uh, certainly served us well. You know, you, you, you understand that on the other end of that uh, sale, on the other end of that piece of gear is uh, someone who is using this gear uh, to put food on their plate. Uh, or to provide, uh, you know, a, 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 you know, entertainment at, at a, a special event, something very meaningful to other people, maybe a wedding or, or something like that. And you know, you just don't you just don't think about it as an abstract box sale. You know, here's a piece of uh, gear, or I think you would say kit, right? Am I, do I have that right? Gear kit, yeah, okay, all the same. Yeah, we get it, we get it. <laughs> <laughs> Try, trying out my uh, my. Uh, uh, European language skills here, but uh, <laughs> I had a I had a, a friend from the states come over and stay for a week to do some work recently, and he said, "Why does everyone smoke here?" I'd never thought about it, but apparently Europeans still smoke a lot more than people in the U.S. So there you go, probably a big <laughs> big generalization, but uh, but it was his experience. I, I have had anyway. the pleasure of working in Europe a few times, and I I really did enjoy it actually. And again, that's part of that variety, uh, you know, where I I, I don't. Uh, you know, I, I like seeing different things and different cultures and experiencing things different different ways. And 
one of the things that's fascinating to me is is how how different we all are and yet how much the same we all are. It's true, isn't it? And and I think the lot the more you scrape the surface, the more you realise how how similar we all are, really. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, it's all it's all true. So your company now, um, let's just get back to your your, your company is um, is how how big is it? How many techs have you got out there? How much gear have you got? You know, give us a sense of what you've built for people who don't who don't know about you, who maybe aren't in the states and in your catchment area. Sure. Well, the cool thing I think is that we're still a pretty small company uh, doing some pretty big things. I think people are often surprised when they find out that uh, we only have 31 people in the company. Uh, And so uh, very hardworking, strong charactered people. Uh, Certainly you see the things that we're doing when you go to the trade shows and that sort of thing. Uh, You know, that you see what they're doing, uh, you know, for support for these events or installs. We do a lot of uh, uh, systems integration, system design and installation. So uh, I think that's probably my favorite part about going to work is uh, is the people I get to work with. Uh, Just an incredible group of people. Mm, And you're you're you know, for people who don't know, you're basically well, not basically anything, but you're an audio visual uh, equipment store at the the heart. You sell you sell the gear. Uh, but of course, there's a lot more to it than that, which we're gonna we're gonna get onto. Um, but that's that's what you do, right? Yeah, sound, lighting, video, and and uh, yeah. communication systems. And one of the cool things we just opened a small music store. Uh, you know, in our we're in a small city, and music stores are becoming a more of a challenge here. Uh, you know, of course, uh, you know the U.S. is geographically you know very big, uh, and so you know rural areas can be a long ways from anywhere. You know. Mm. Uh, and so, uh, and that's kind of where we are. We're kind of in the proverbial middle of nowhere, so to speak. And so, uh, we thought that was important. Uh, I think music has a, a really important place in the human existence. Uh, you know, it's just, there's something about it, probably going back to the early days of when we were in a cave and somebody, you know, picked up a stick and hit a rock with it and it made a certain sound and they picked up a shorter stick and found it made a different sound, you know, whatever. But yeah, uh, you know, and here we are, whether you're, whether you're making music with a, you know, with a guitar or a piano or, uh, you know, certainly I think DJs are musical creation and expression. I mean, you know, that's, that's, you know, I think DJs are very much musicians, you know? So uh, I think it'll. Oh, for sure. For sure. We would, would agree with you there. And I'm interested in asking how much of this path you've taken do you think is from a love of music? I mean, there's more to, to electronics and, and the technical side of life than, than the music industry. Have you ever thought, you know, this could have been somewhere completely different to me? It could have been TVs, for instance. I guess it kind of is in it to an extent. But how much of it is because of your love of music and how much of it is because your love of tech? I would say most of it is the love of music. I, I think, you know, frankly, uh, you know, there are places I could have gone uh, in the industry, things that I could have done that would have been a, been more financially lucrative, uh, much more financially lucrative, uh, but I, they just didn't appeal to me. They just didn't have any passion. And so I think, you know, this, very much the music has been the driving factor. Uh, mm. You know, the 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 love of, of performers, DJs, musicians, uh, that sort of thing. And, and, you know, I could have, uh, for example, gone into electrical engineering uh, or something, yes. like that, you know, and, and again, the electronics wasn't really what drew me to it. I didn't I didn't take those electronics classes because I loved electronics. Uh, but I think to the other way of looking at it, the electronics gave me the means to be a contributor in this industry. Um you know, I, I mean, I've, I've been a musician all my life, just not a very good one. So, uh, you know. what do you play? What, what's your instrument? 
Well, I play drums, uh, but I think that might be insulting to drummers everywhere to say that. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, and that's one of the thing when you, you know, when you, uh, you know, run a mixing console or something for these, uh, you know, these touring acts and you, you, you see how extraordinarily good they are, you know, they're, I do kind of sit back there and think, yep, that's not me. I'll just stay back here, you know, but I think there's a very, very musical component to mixing as well. Uh, you know, you're very much, I think, a part of what's going on with the band. So. Um, yeah, for sure, for sure you are, and everyone knows. Everyone knows when a concert isn't isn't quite right, and it's often nothing to do with the band on the stage, right? It's to do with the uh, the guy stood behind that desk. Yeah, or, or girls, or girls stood behind that desk. Indeed. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, uh, yeah. I I I think you're right. Uh, you know, people ask if I can make a bad sound good, a bad band sound good. And I say, no, not really, but I can make a good sound of good band sound bad. So, uh, <laughs> well, that, or, or hopefully a good sound, good band sound great if you're on your game, of course. But yeah, that's that, that, that points to what we're talking about, doesn't it? Which is, um, well, there might be a limit to what the engineer can do, but it's certainly a very important part of the process. Yeah, I, I think so. Uh, you know, and I think that, to, you know, to be in sync with the performers is a, is a really important thing. Um, so yeah, I think music has been kind of a driving, um, you, you know, it's it's sort of the common theme behind everything that I do, and and uh, you know, it keeps me going back out, uh, you know, uh, uh, working with with DJs and musicians and and these sorts of things. It it keeps me getting up and getting on those airplanes, like we talked about. And you know, the thing is, I'm genuinely excited to do it, uh, which is incredible after 25 years. I think that you know, I can still derive joy, but you, you know, you talked about the first times that we met, um, uh, you know, when you see a room full of people that are there, uh, eager to learn, even though they maybe don't relish, uh, what they have to learn. Uh, you know, I think most DJs, uh, didn't sign up to be DJs because they wanted to do more math or they wanted to learn more physics. You know, most DJs would say, no, that's not what I want to do. But we find out uh, kind of early in the process uh, that it's a necessary component. You know, uh, DJs uh, often have to wear a lot of hats, so to speak. They, uh, you know, they're they're uh, the, the they're their own you know booking agent. They're the talent. They're the roadie. Uh, you know, uh, they're all of these things. And mm. and so I I met. They'll arrive at a venue, and guess what? The the only person who knows about getting the sound running is the manager, and he or she's not there. There's just someone on. $10 an hour saying, well, you should know what you're doing. And if you can't, then it's kind of a disadvantage, isn't it? Well, absolutely. And and just like a, a front of house engineer has the ability to ruin the experience at a concert, uh, you know, a DJ's uh, technology can really uh, negatively impact their performance. You, you know, you can have a fantastic entertainer and a fantastic DJ, but that can be uh, that that experience can be made worse by technology that isn't doing what you want it to do. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, whether the technology itself has failed and, and you know, gear can fail. That's just a reality. Uh, or it's just being used improperly. And so I think that's why people come to these these seminars. Again, it's, uh, you know, it is kind of heady stuff sometimes, but I try to make it lighthearted and fun and and and, and relevant, you know, try to kind of get right to the point uh, and, and uh you know, let people leave with something they can take home and, and, uh, you know, make their show better. Uh, and so let's talk about how this industry has changed because I remember as a kid, my dad's 
my dad was a he worked in the telephone exchange um so he was kind of a technician mending mending doctors phone lines on christmas day and things like that back when it was all mechanical his dad was into electronics he had a job in 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 that area and my dad had an electronics kit and i learned to build crystal radios so i would i would listen when my parents thought i wasn't listening to um <laughs> pop music radio in that time-honored fashion as a kid, uh, through a radio I'd built. So I was kind of, in the same way as you had that kind of background, for me, it was all about using the electronics to get closer to music. Um, and then I drifted into DJ, not because of any real uh, glamour attached to the DJing side of it, because that was the easy bit. It was because I knew how to plug things together and which where to go in town to hire the gear. You know, my friend and I would do that because the school wanted this or that. Um, so we just drifted into doing that. Once we'd done, that was a bit no one else could do. Everyone could go and play a few records, right. so it felt. Um, but that was a bit no one else could do. So, And I think a lot of DJs back at maybe a generation ago, they got into it, certainly in my experience, because they were geeks, because they kind of, they could do the hard bit, which and it was hard back then. You know, you sometimes built your own gear. Um, you sometimes glued the carpet onto the box that your gear was built <laughs> oh, yeah, in yourself. And- that's all relatable to me, absolutely. <laughs> uh, but now it's changed. Nowadays, you, it, it, you know, it's commercialized and the companies are making fantastic, you know, the kind of gear we would have killed for back then. Oh, yeah. Uh, and the, the gear, just, just like no one has to lift the bonnet of their car up anymore, um, the, uh, the, the, the need to know the kind of stuff that you teach and that you uh, are passionate about is at least on the surface hidden nowadays. And the stuff which is fun, the glamorous stuff, the playing and the DJing and the mixing, and that's the thing, that that's where the kind of impetus is put now. That's where, you know, if you can get good at this, you can get good in this game. And I think the fact that you've got a room full of people who are there to learn the stuff that you don't, that's optional now in order to succeed in this game kind of shows that that isn't the case and that this stuff is still important, right? Oh, I think it absolutely is. It's still the backbone that everything runs on. And and some of the really hot topics right now, uh, for example, are wireless microphones. You know, uh, uh, you know, obviously the frequency uh, repack that's occurring in the United States is forcing people to become more savvy wireless users. And, and, and that is still a complicated thing. Uh, it's, you know, we have better technology than we ever had. But at the end of the day, uh, it still requires some understanding of what you're doing. And, uh, yeah, and that applies really to all things DJing. You know, you still have to understand things like gain structure and, and you know, those sort of mm. things to get the best performance out of your system. Uh, and, and again, I, you know, I think that in today's world where you have, you know, the Spotify and that sort of thing, uh, if, if you are the lowest common denominator or, you know, the low hanging fruit or whatever, pick, you know, pick some analogy that, that you like, but if you're really not doing anything different than anybody else, I think that that you're going to challenge, be challenged. I think you're going to struggle to uh, make a name for yourself as a as a DJ and and uh, be you know busy. Uh, and so I think that's why people are going to these classes. They're going not only to the technology classes, but they're going to ones about how to you know be better at, at mixing, how to be better MCs, how to you know just how to be better. Um, but you know, like I said, if you you know if you're a great MC but your mic doesn't work and nobody can hear you, it, it doesn't really matter. So I think it's one of the pieces about, you know, trying to rise above, uh, trying to, you know, uh, set yourself apart in a world where music is so readily available and uh, there are controllers and software that will do a lot of that part of it for you, so to speak. 
Yeah, so you mentioned wireless microphones and for people who are not in the US, there's this switch of frequencies and I'm not going to go into it now and I'm, I'm not going to lie. I don't particularly understand what's going on because I don't have to, but you know, you can understand that that's going to be an issue for people. But you mentioned that, you know, a couple that we see a lot is people just don't know where their music is. You know, they've got iTunes and they've been buying tunes and they're DJing and then they need to back it up or change computers or they, they, suddenly they can't see their files in their DJ software and they're, they're stuck. They just don't know where their music is. And another one we see is people trying to use DJ with Spotify and so on, which is all becoming a thing uh, and, and not really understanding the parameters of that and the limitations and when it might trip them up. I mean, they're just a few things that we see regularly. But what do you see? What big mistakes do you see? Let's concentrate on DJs because, of course, we're a DJ podcast. Um, what big mistakes do you do you see coming up again and again? Things that you find yourself having to help people with over and over again? Well, you know what? And I want to just toss this in because uh, you mentioned that we're a DJ podcast. I uh, I think this is something that people are sometimes surprised by. Uh, and I was really happy to hear you say that, uh, you know, you felt a lot of geeks became DJs because I would be one of those. I, I did spend 15 years as a working DJ. So uh, I, I think that surprises people now. They're like, wow, you were a DJ? Really? I, I said, I, I don't know why that surprises people. but <laughs> I, I get the same thing, Ben. It's because we, we, wear, we wear good shirts and... Uh, and and, and um, we haven't got bags under our eyes anymore quite as much as we had back in those days. Well, in my in my in my um, life anyway, they look at me and think you couldn't. No, I, I show them a picture of me with long hair and a different pair of glasses on, and they're like, "Oh wow, you were a DJ." But anyway, maybe it was very different for you. I think that's uh, that's pretty close. Yeah. So, <laughs> my my own kids, in fact, my son who's a teenager now, he's like, "You were a DJ." He's like, were you cool? Yeah. I said, no, I didn't say I was cool. I just said I was a DJ, you know, <laughs> let's not get carried away here, you know, but uh, anyway, so I, some of the things that I see DJs doing, uh, some of the, the things that just immediately pop into my mind, and of course, this is just really off the top of my head. I mentioned gain structure earlier. That's, that's number one, I think, because if you don't have good gain structure, uh, you know, you are going to struggle to get the most out of your equipment. You're going to struggle to get the the uh, not just the loudest, but the best quality audio you can. Uh, and that's a, in and of itself, a fairly complicated topic. So I'll just, I'll just not elaborate for now. Um, another one I see still, and I don't understand it. Uh, and that's because I'm a geek, I guess, but you know, people who put speakers on the floor and I mean, uh, speakers with high frequency devices, you know, subwoofers, of course, great, put them on the floor, but, uh, two way speakers or full range speakers or top boxes, however you want to call them. Uh, those should never be on the floor. Uh, you know, high frequencies uh, are very short wavelengths and they are easily absorbed uh, by bodies, uh, you know, or reflected by, by surfaces. And so we should get those up, you know, five, six feet in the air uh, so, that, so that that high frequency can propagate throughout the room. Um, wireless, boy, uh, that's a, we just, we'll just put it out there and just say, <laughs> not even elaborate on that. Those would be some things uh, DMX, you know, it's amazing to me because DMX kind of originated in about 1986 and really became adopted in, as, as kind of a standard in 1991. So that's, uh, what is that? 28 years ago. Uh, and, and yet I think it's still very foreign to some DJs, even though it's so affordable now and it's so readily available and there's software that makes it so very easy, uh, yeah, well, for DJs who don't know what we're talking about, it's basically the same as MIDI, but for lighting, it's the way that the the equipment and the the controllers can communicate with each other across brands and across different pieces of gear. 
uh, in a common language, which allows you to, in the same way that MIDI allows you to plug whatever you want to together and it, and it can all work together. It's similar. Yeah, um, right on the money. Yeah, and, uh, and, and so people struggle with DMX as well. Um, it's, uh, it's interesting, isn't it? Because in the old days, people used to, you know, in the DJ world, people would learn on really rubbish turntables and they'd move up to CDs and then, then digital came along and now you can do it all on your phone. And it's like, wow, I can do it all on my phone. But people starting now, they, they go the other way. They start on their phone because it's a $1.99 app. And then the next thing they know, they've got a little DJ controller. And the next thing they know, they get a chance to use CDs. And then they think, one day I'm going to use, one day I'm going to use proper record decks. And it's kind of like people are learning backwards. But I think that's quite endearing because it shows that people do care and they do want to know the, the, you know, the stuff that underpins all the things that are making it easy nowadays, which probably explains how busy your seminars are. And so there is hope there, isn't there, that people, just because the manufacturers are making stuff easy, that there's still a hunger to to scratch the surface and learn what's really happening, as I said, under the bonnet. I don't know if you call them bonnets in the States. Yeah, we call it a hood, but yeah. I, I... The hood, the front bit, the front bit of the car. Yes. Um, but that, that is there, isn't there? That, that, that desire is there among people. Yeah, I, I absolutely think so. And I, I think that that's, uh, it's exciting to me to see that the DJ, uh, you know, industry has become such, it's become a place that, uh, you know, people, uh, can, can share their passion. Uh, you know, people who have a, a regular weekday job can still go out and, uh, you know, have a big impact on, uh, uh, you know, on these special events or, I mean, I just saw an article the other day that the CEO of Goldman Sachs, uh, you know, who his salary probably is greater than our company's total revenues, but he's a DJ, you know? Mm. Uh, yes. and, and, and it's also a place that uh, individuals can go into business as a DJ and you can make a living doing that. So, you know, even if, you, you know, and I'm not going to get into the debate, by the way, of the full-time or part-time guys, but I think it's it's kind of like, I mean, you know, again, I said earlier, DJs are musicians and, and we have to look at that, that it's much the same way. There are professional musicians who uh, sell records and go to concerts and that's how they make their living. Uh, and there are DJs who go out uh, after their, uh, you know, nine to five job and they, they play a, you know, a set on Friday night at a, at a pub. And, and uh, you know, I, I think it's, it's, it, it's all great because it's all part of that, that, existential thing that music is to the human DNA, you know? And uh, what we're seeing on the technology side is, again, that pursuit of excellence that people understand it is the, the necessary part of being better. You either have to hire somebody who is technologically capable, uh, you know, which is a, a stretch for most DJs to hire a, a, you know, road tech to go with them. Um, or you have to become that person. You have to become at least good at it on a cursory level. Uh, you don't have to become an expert, but, but it can't be, you can't think of it all as just like, you know, wizardry and alchemy, you know, I mean, yeah, yeah. electrical theory is yeah. real, you know? Well, it makes sense. Now, Ben, your, your day-to-day -day life, your job, your, you, your, you've got a company of 31 people. You personally oversee a lot of the bigger jobs you guys do at venues and with artists and so on. You, give a disproportionate amount of your time to educating. You're always at the shows that, that we end up you know, bumping in, into each other at and being generous with your time there. Uh, and I can attest that these are not high paying gigs. You know, you're doing that because you're generous and you love helping people and you love paying it forward. You're very, uh, you're very active online helping people out as well. So education is a big part of what you do. 
uh, running your company and being being on the ground, helping your clients is a big part of what you do. But you're also a, a dad and you've got three three kids and a wife at home. What do they think about Ben spending all his time, and I don't mean all your time, but a lot of your time, uh, you know, uh, out on the road doing this stuff? What kind of uh, what kind of reaction do you get from from them as as your kids are grown up and from your uh, no doubt long suffering wife? <laughs> well, you know, I, I um, they might give you a different answer than I will. Uh, so I guess since they're not here, I'll just have to speak for them. And and uh, I like <laughs> I like my answer probably better. Uh, it's 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 our normal. You know, it's we we make the most of the time we have together. Uh, I think there are a lot of people who are home every night from their nine to five, but they're not really present. Uh, you know, uh, you can be around your family, but not really be involved with your family. And so I think for, for us being apart helps us to understand the importance of being together. And so when we are, uh, you know, we try to make the most of that. Uh, we're very fortunate. We live in a time now where we have things like FaceTime and that sort of thing where, you know, we can stay in touch, uh, you know, uh, electronically, um, they don't always like it though. You know, I'm not going to lie. Uh, you know, I, I remember my son one time, uh, kind of, he was about eight or nine, I think at the time, saw me headed out the door with my suitcase. And, you know, everybody knows what that means. It means I'm going to be gone. Right. And, and, you know, and he said, "Uh, where are you going? And I said, well, I gotta go to work. And uh, he said, well, why? You know, and I said, well, this is my job, you know? And he said, "Uh, well, can't you get a different job? And, and of course the reality is I could, you know, there are a lot of different careers uh, that I could take uh, my knowledge uh, and experience into that would be a little different, but, but I think a little honesty here, I had to tell him, I said, you know, I, yes, I could, but I like this job. You know, I said, you know, son, I love you and I love my family, but uh, you know, I also love this industry and it has provided for our family and it has given us some wonderful opportunities. And so I, you know, I think just sort of explaining that in a sincere way, and uh, I've brought them along to some things. And it's funny because, you know, he's <laughs> he's he's fallen asleep at concerts uh, that people paid a lot of money to go to, you know, <laughs> yeah. it's, you know, he doesn't he, you know, he just doesn't understand because uh, that's just what they grew up with. You know, this is just dad's job, you know, and and uh, I don't know, I, like I said, though, at the beginning, I think just uh, this sort of a, a kind of toss this out. There's a maybe a unsolicited piece of advice, but uh you know, you don't really know uh, what you have for time on the planet or opportunities. And so, you know, take advantage of the time that you do have, you know, and hug your kids and, you know, that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and follow your passions, I, I guess, is there is validity in following your passions because it means the best of you is there for for those that, that matter to you when, when you are around them. Um, but uh, no, I'm always, in, I'm always interested because I think there's a lot in what you said about being with your family, but not really being there sometimes. If you if you do have that that glut of time um, together, that that you you've learned to be more 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 guarded over and more precious, you know, it's more precious to you. Um, but I want to just ask what your biggest motivation is because you do all these things. You you run a an AV company. You you educate. You you work with big big bands and DJs and so on. You know what what is it that makes you get out of bed in the morning what's the most important to you is it helping other people whether that's your clients or your customers or your you know people who approach you is it is it running a company is it your your um responsibility to those 31 people what is what's the, the biggest driver in your life the biggest motivator well, i think it's a combination of a lot of them that you said but i i think 
you know, maybe, maybe if I had to say a number one, it would be recognition that, that, you know, my life, these 25 plus years in the industry have been a tremendous blessing. Uh, and that, uh, early on I was the beneficiary of people who would share that knowledge with me. Um, you know, certainly the people that housed me and fed me when I was living in that homeless shelter, uh, you know, and sort of, you know, feeling, um, grateful and blessed and recognizing that there's an opportunity to, um, you know, pay that back or, or, you know, pay it forward or whatever the expression mm. would be. <clears throat> but, uh, I think there's just, there, there, there's a, that genuine joy and passion too. You know, uh, I like the uh, people that I work with, uh, you know, in the industry, uh, I like the technology and, uh, and I, and I see an opportunity, uh, you know, to, to make an impact. And, um, you know, I, I, I guess I don't know that I've really ever thought about what's the one thing that keeps me getting up in the morning. Uh, you mm. know, it's, a you just, uh, you just sort of feel like it's what you should do. And so you do it, you know, I got a couple of, couple of final questions for you. Um, one of them is, uh, would you say that ultimately you're a fan? You're a fan of, of music, music and musicians and people who, who make this thing possible, and um, that maybe is why you kind of everyone blurs into one and, and, and doesn't really matter. The fact that they're doing it is the important thing. Is it, are you, are you a fan um, of, of music and musicians underneath it all? I would say so. Yeah. You know, I, and, and it's funny because the, the concert experience has kind of changed that, uh, you know, a little bit. And, and I'll try to explain in a way that hopefully doesn't come out wrong. Uh, you, you know, when you go to a concert, uh, my day probably starts at seven or eight in the morning, you know, getting uh, things set up, getting the stage ready, getting sound ready. You know, then the band probably comes in at one or two in the afternoon and does sound check. Uh, you know, doors open at maybe six or seven at night and then the concert is at eight o'clock. So so by the time that the, that the concert starts and, you know, the thousands and thousands of people who've bought tickets, uh, you know, come and it's, that's their moment to be excited. That's the moment they've been waiting for. I've already got 12 or 13 hours in at that point. Uh, so, mm. you know, when the band starts, I'm kind of thinking, okay, just, you know, play your songs and let's go home, you know, like <laughs> wrap it up boys, you know, play your stuff so we could tear this down. Cause we still have a truck to load, you know, when this is done. Uh, and so I think, you know, in those moments, uh, you know, sometimes you forget, uh, you know, how much you love music and that sort of thing. And uh, yet at the same time, uh, uh, yeah, I listen to music all the time, uh, you know, I, I, whether uh, at home or on the plane or whatever. I mean, I, I absolutely love music and I'm a fan of music. And and there are times when you allow yourself to be brought back into, you know, uh, you know, when you're watching a, a concert, whether you're working it or whatever, uh, you know, or, or uh, you know, DJs. I worked with some fantastic DJs at the College World Series this year. Uh, and, and you say, wow, that is incredible. That is really good. You know? So, um, you know, it's, it's, it's become very much a job, but at the same time, it's a, it's a job that, uh, you know, has a lot of joy in it. And, uh, you know, when you, when you withdraw yourself from it a little bit and look at it, you know, objectively, you say, wow, I'm getting paid to be somewhere that a lot of people paid to be, you know, mm. that's a pretty cool thing. All these people paid cause they wanted to be where I'm at right now, you know, um, and uh, so when you when you allow yourself to look at it from the audience perspective, you say, wow, this is this is really cool because uh, it does come back to that fundamental love of music, you know. 
Mm. And that's the glamour in it that people identify that maybe maybe we forget in the industry having done it for decades. That's the glamour. You're where people would happily pay to be for free. Uh, and more than that, you're being paid to be there. Um, the second question I wanted to ask you I was- I want to add something to the first question. I'm sorry, Phil. I just want to- Yeah, go for it. Go for it. I just kind it. of was thinking about something else that brings me a lot of joy. Uh, and uh, they say that sound guys are the grumpiest profession in the world, by the way. I don't know about that, but- uh, <laughs> Well, I don't know about that. No, I think I think bus drivers tend to be pretty high up there, I'd say. They can have- <laughs> With, with apologies to with apologies to any cheerful bus driver. <laughs> so if you're a bus driver by day and a sound guy by night, you're probably in bad shape. <laughs> uh, but I, I, you know, I was thinking about some of the cool experiences, you know, that I've had uh, people, uh, you know, asking for set lists and that sort of thing after a concert. And they, you know, uh, sometimes you get a little bit annoyed by it. Uh, but but obviously it tells you how much it meant to these people because they want this piece of paper that was taped to the stage. Uh, and anyway, I was thinking about a time I was out on tour with a band and, uh, as, as we were leaving, we were kind of doing the last check, uh, to make sure that everything had gotten, you know, back in the truck and the buses. And, uh, because, you know, we're 600 miles away the next day. So if you forgot something, you're in tough shape. Uh, and, and I saw a broken drumstick, uh, laying behind the drum riser and it was just going to go in a trash can. And I, I saw this, uh, you know, I saw this little kid kind of as we were on our way out the door and, and he was maybe like uh, eight or nine. Uh, and I, I, I just handed him this drumstick on my way out the door and this, this little kid almost like cried, you know, and I thought, how cool is that? This is garbage to us, but it, you know, means a lot to them. And so I think those are moments too, that are, are pretty meaningful to me when you realize what you're doing is, is, uh, is meaningful to other people, you know, that your contribution uh, helps other people have uh, a, a better experience. I said, it's a, I almost don't want to follow that with another question because the other question I, I had left is, is, is far more prosaic, but that is, that's wonderful. I'm going to, you know what, Ben, I'm going to ask it anyway, <laughs> um, because we're a DJ, we're a DJ podcast um, and the DJ gear is important. And we, this, this did start off on the geeky note. Uh, and of course you run a store um, selling all this cool stuff. So I wanted to end off with uh, the the coolest bit of gear right now that you you guys are selling and supporting and the, or that you've seen personally, what piece of, of DJ equipment is flying out the doors or has got you inspired or has made you think that is just cool at the time of recording this, which is um, which is Christmas twenty nineteen. Uh, give us something from the horse's mouth. What's 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 hot for you at the moment? Oh goodness. Well, so I'll, I will say this. I think there's two different answers. I think what's cool and what's flying out the door are probably two different things. <laughs> oh, I, well, I'd rather I'd rather know what's cool actually. So what's what's inspired you? Well, gosh, um, I think that some of these uh, all-in-one controllers, uh, you know, are are pretty cool because we're beginning to get into this really complete ecosystem. You know, uh, if we look at the roots of, of where DJing started, it was this really unholy mashup of consumer gear and pro gear, you know, and that's why we run yeah. into things like unbalanced signals and balanced signals and the struggle of combining the two. And, you know, and, and you know, we, we've kind of migrated. We've come a long way. You know, the MP3 came out, I think, in 91 or something or 93 or uh, anyway, a long time ago, you know, and we've, we've you know, computer DJing uh, certainly now is kind of the norm. And uh, so I think the, the all-in-one things like the Denon Prime 4 and, and the new uh, XDJ, uh, you know, XC, although the Prime 4 has the ability to put a hard drive in it, those are pretty cool. I think the evolution hmm. of loudspeakers is fascinating to me. You know, what we have in terms of loudspeakers uh, now for the price is so much better than what we had 20 years ago. It's probably made quantum leaps in a way that almost no other product has. 
you know, the loudspeaker manufacturers have the ability to map these cones with lasers while they're in motion and look for uh, distortions and movement and that sort of thing. And they can adjust materials and, and, and make these things so much better sounding and accurate sounding and reliable. And, and that has led, you know, to the uh, rapid rise and development of, uh, you know, the column array systems. And they're just getting better and better and better. Uh, you know, uh, what we can carry now that's 50 pounds and what it can do is uh, pretty extraordinary. A cautionary note, though, physics still prevails. You know, I mean, if I want to do an arena, I'm going to unload a semi. That's, there's just no two ways around it. You know, we, we, you know, uh, if I could do an arena with a 50 pound speaker, I would believe me. So we, we can't, but, uh, those are the top two things that just came to my mind. And I don't know if it's, no, they're they're good. They're good. And I totally agree with you on both. Uh, it's, it's incredible. DJing has kind of come full circle. You're back to the, the, the one piece of gear or the, the, the standard setup, if you like, that can do everything, but the everything has utterly changed. And of course, you're quite right about speakers. I mean, you only need to look at the size to performance ratio, don't you? And uh, especially for mobile guys who who need more than just volume, they need dispersion and quality. And and yeah, it's an exciting time. It never stops, does it? No, it really doesn't. And and that's a good thing. I mean, uh, you know, geeks out there will recall, recall uh, Moore's Law, which uh, I believe he was an engineer at, at Intel, uh, but talked about, uh, you know, the rate at which uh, transistor count on chips would increase. Uh, certainly, we see technology grow to its to its uh, point of capacity, and then it becomes obsolete, and it gets replaced with whatever's next. You know, we saw that with the CRT being replaced with, you know, modern day displays, OLED, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, we're already looking at what replaces binary in terms of its capacity. You know, simply ones and zeros maybe don't do it anymore. And, and, you know, I mean, it's, it's only going to continue, uh, the, you know, the, the equipment is only going to get better and smarter. Uh, and, and I think to a degree though, uh, we have to keep pace. I think DJs are probably, uh, I should be careful saying this because I, I think you're right about a lot of geeks becoming DJs because we understood the gear, but, but I think I've seen in the last 10 years, DJs become a lot more technologically educated. Uh, I think that, and maybe it's just because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm seeing those DJs that are coming to the to the seminars, but uh, but I think as a whole, DJs are becoming more tech savvy, um, and that's good because the gear is going to become increasingly more capable. Mm, of course, and uh, as we say, it never stops. And because it never stops, there's always going to be a need for people like you uh, to be to be here to help people learn. Well, I really hope so. <laughs> So, Ben, um, thank you very, very much for your time. It's been awesome talking to you. I do look forward to bumping into you at one of the stateside conferences again very soon, no doubt, in in the coming year. And uh, meanwhile, keep doing what you're doing. Thanks, Phil. I appreciate it very much. It was an absolute pleasure and an honor. Uh, I'll be uh, at uh, at NAM and I'll be at uh, PBX and I'll be at Mobile Beat if you're at any of those. We'll be uh, definitely happy. We'll definitely catch up at one of those, Ben. Thank you for your time today. My pleasure.